Would you grab your Bible and turn with me? We're going to go to two passages of Scripture today. Um, <laughs> neither of them are really Easter verses. Um, they're not your normal Easter sermon verses. But you know what? I've never really been accused of being normal. So there you go. Okay, so, uh, so go with me to Exodus chapter 29. And then you can kind of thumb mark Ephesians chapter 5. Exodus 29 and Ephesians chapter 5. So we're going to start in Exodus, and everybody know the story of Exodus? In fact, I don't know, do they still play the Ten Commandments movie with Charlton Heston, like the OG Ten Commandments, right? I, some of you are like, I've never heard of this. I understand. I just dated myself, and you young people, you're like, I don't get it. It's okay. But there used to be this movie every year. It was Charlton Heston played Moses, and it was the Ten Commandments, and it was all about the Exodus um, but the Exodus, so, so here's the basic storyline that gets us to the chapter we're going to read about, but also has a lot to do with why we're here today, in that um, God's people, you know, it kind of starts with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. These are God's people. God is building a nation, the nation of Israel. Uh, they end up in Egypt during the days of, Mo of Joseph. Um, they're in Egypt 430 years. They were enslaved or persecuted about 400 years of that, and then God raises up Moses, who delivers them. Most of us know that story. Um, and then there are 10 plagues. The last of the plague is really symbolic. It's about Passover, really, which is what we're actually celebrating today, which was that death was going to pass over, and anywhere that the blood was applied, death would pass over. But if the blood wasn't applied, then the firstborn would be taken, and that was the 10th plague in, in Egypt. And so God spoke to Moses. Moses spoke to the children of Israel, and so they went and they slayed a lamb, took the blood, and took a hyssop branch and, and painted, essentially, their, their doorpost of their house with, um, with the blood. So when death came, it passed over them, which essentially is what we would be celebrating today. It's Passover, and, um, or was this weekend. And, uh, and this is where death, if you will, judgment passes over those who have accepted Christ, who have been washed in the blood of Jesus like we, like we just sang about. So that is the plague. By the way, that's the 10th one. And that's the one that frees them because Pharaoh loses a son. It's, you know, you probably, you know, maybe you watched the movie Prince of Egypt. Y'all familiar with that story as well? Yeah, there we go. Found, found a different generation. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> praise the Lord, right? I don't know Charlton Heston, but I remember there can be miracles where you believe because wasn't it Mariah Carey that sang that or whatever? Anyways, I'm just trying to help everybody. All right, so, um, and so anyways, they leave and then, you know, they go and they cross the Red Sea. Y'all remember they crossed the Red Sea? Funny story, there was this professor in college and this young man who was a devout Christian. The professor was always trying to disprove Christianity um, because he, he was an atheist. And so he'd always talk about how, you know, things in the Bible didn't really happen. He was one of those. And, um, and so he, he was talking about crossing the Red Sea. And he said, now I just want you all to understand that crossing the Red Sea wasn't a big deal at all. Because at, history tells us, and he went through this big explanation, at the time they crossed the Red Sea and where they crossed the Red Sea, it was only six inches deep anyway. Well, this young man who was a devout Christian just burst out laughing in the back, and it really upset the professor. He's like, I don't understand. Why are you laughing? He said, because that just makes it a bigger miracle. He said, how does that make it a bigger miracle? He said, because the Bible said God drowned Pharaoh's armies in the Red Sea. How did he drown the strongest army in the world in six inches of water? That's amazing. <laughs> Anyways, we know the story of the Red Sea. 
And then they get to Mount Sinai, and that's where God comes down on the mountain. That's where Moses goes up on the mountain. That's where the Ten Commandments are given. And that's where God starts talking to Moses about the tabernacle and how he wants the tabernacle built and different sacrifices and all of this about how to have a relationship with God. We get to Exodus chapter 29. I'm just going to read two verses because God um, institutes the priesthood, which was Aaron and his sons. And immediately after that, he talks about daily offerings, daily offerings. And so uh, in Exodus chapter 29, verse 38, just two verses we're going to read together. It says this. It says, now this is what you shall offer. Offer on the altar two lambs of the first year, day by day continually. One lamb you shall offer in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. Day by day continually, one lamb you'll offer in the morning, and the other you'll offer at twilight. I call this message spotless. Spotless. So let's pray together. God, thank you so much. God, for today. Oh my goodness. God, the tomb is empty. God, and that means everything. That means everything. God, today as we lean in, speak to us. Don't let us miss this moment with you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Spotless. I got a question. It's, it's called daily offerings. It's, it's instituted as God as a daily offering. Does anybody know why they had to offer the lambs? Anybody? 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 Sin. Great answer. Some of you went to some of you went to what we called Sunday school back in the day, right? Yeah, they had to offer the lambs because of sin. In fact, they had to offer the lamb at twilight because that was the sin they had committed during the day right? So for the sins committed the day, that's why they had to offer a lamb at twilight. So if they had, you know, somebody cut them off with their chariot or something like that, and they waved at them with, come on, you know what I'm saying? They said something that was not a Christian cuss word, because we do have Christian cuss words, shoot darn, those type of things, you know. And then we have non-Christian cuss words. Maybe they said non-Christian, or maybe they waved with fewer fingers than they should have. Praise (laughs) the Lord. Are you with me? I know no one in here has ever done such a thing. No one watching online would ever think about that, y'all. But, you know, it has happened to lesser people. You understand what I'm saying. Maybe they clicked on something on their stone tablet that they knew they shouldn't click on. I don't, I don't know. What, whatever, whatever the sin was they committed during the day, they offered a lamb for that sin at twilight. Well, why did they offer a sin, a, a lamb the next morning? Well, some of you, this is going to make a lot of sense because that was for the sin they committed during the night. Some of you, maybe you went to college. Maybe you've made some bad decisions. And you would have needed a lamb the next morning. That's all I'm saying. You would have needed a lamb the next. We don't need to know. We don't want to give glory to the devil, right? You understand what I'm saying? But some of us needed some morning lambs. So they offered lambs and and the lambs. So we just read where... We need to offer a lamb at twilight and a lamb in the morning for our sin. My question is, did you bring your lamb today? Did you bring your lamb today? Did you bring your morning lamb? Did you offer your evening lamb yesterday? Here's a great question. Do you even need a lamb? Because, see, I I wonder sometimes in our culture, uh, you know, I watch, obviously, I live in the same world y'all live in. Yeah, that's, that's weird. Anyways, anyways, never mind. Not an alien, but whatever. I live in the same world, and, and I see a lot of people that don't even know they need a lamb. 
I see a lot of people that have no clue they need a lamb. Can I be honest? Sometimes in the church, I see a lot of people that have forgotten they need a lamb. It's true. And what did that lamb do? Well, in the Old Testament, that lamb would cover sin. It would cover it. It didn't take it away, but it would cover it. And it kept the sin covered. You see, the truth is, and we know this from the Bible, sin stains. Did you know that? Sin stains. We also know from the Bible, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We know that. What does that mean? Everybody has dealt with stains. Everybody has been stained. Sin, sin stains. In fact, I can show you a scripture, Isaiah 1, 18. It says, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Look at this. Though your sins are as scarlet. In other words, though your sins have left a stain. I, look what he says, though, though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are like crimson, they shall be as wool. Here's what we know. Everybody sinned. That's why everybody needs a lamb. And here's what we know. Sin stains us. And everybody's stained. And we need to be washed. We need to be cleansed. Um, so I'm going to let you in on a little something about me. You can never use this against me. You can never post it on any social media platforms. And if you're not careful, I will come and find you. I'm being vulnerable today. But I have a nickname. It's not well known. It's not any of the nicknames that I would like. I have a nickname that was given to me by my mother very early in my life that I think unfortunately has been a some type of word curse spoke over me that's marked me all of my life. And that was my mother called me Messy Marvin. Now you need to know this about me. I'm not actually a slob in any, like I like pressed clothes. I like clean clothes. Like my truck's typically always clean unless it's raining. Um, to keep the house kind of clean. I think the kids tell you, Janet, tell you, I, I like everything in its place. I, I like everything clean. In fact, I'd say, I, I wouldn't say I'm a clean freak, but I like things clean. I don't like to get dirty unless we plan to get dirty. Does anybody understand? Like when I worked in the oil field, I had dirty clothes and, and we worked in the grease and the, the, I was like, okay, I'm dressed for, how many know I have to be dressed for everything? If we're getting dirty, I've got to be dressed to get dirty. Otherwise, I don't want to be dirty. Are you with me? Like if I know we're getting dirty, that's all right. I'm going to dress for it. And, and I'm okay to get dirty once I'm dressed for getting dirty and I have the right shoes for getting dirty and I have the right clothes. Where are you at, my people? Thank you. But if I am not dressed to get dirty, I don't want to get dirty. I want it. But here's the problem. I have a magnetic personality and it attracts stains. It attracts food to my clothing. No, no matter how hard I try, I don't understand this. Food can be across the room and I cannot eat it and leave and think, how did I get that on me? Somebody did it. I don't know what it is about that. Now, Jana, she's clean too, but she stays clean. She, she, listen, she's one of the cleanest people I know. She has a clean trash can. 
I don't know how. I don't know if she cleans the trash can. I don't know how it happens. Her trash can stays clean. Like I'm clean, but my trash can is not always, you know what I'm saying? If you're in here and you got a clean trash can, I respect you, right? You know, there's a level there. Like props to you. But 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 for me, I, I'm clean, but not, not always the trash can. But I'm talking about the big trash bins that she sets outside on trash day. Those are clean. And so anyway, she's learned this about me. Now, thank God she travels usually with an enormous quantity of shout wipes, which is something she did before she met me. So it's not just because of me, but I've benefited many times. I promise you right now, she has shout wipes in that purse. I'm going to tell you right now. Nobody's even eating anything. She got shout wipes in that purse right now. Anyways, I I have a problem with saying, a few weeks ago, I, she had bought me some, um, it's goat cheese, but it's got like vanilla and honey and then kind of crusted with blueberries. Yeah, I'm super bougie, y'all. I'm all talking. <laughs> it's Easter. We're talking about goat cheese, everybody. It's got this, got this goat cheese. And it's so good. So good. And so I was, I was about to chow down on this goat cheese. And, and, and I didn't think about it in the moment because I don't ever expect, because I'm a grown man, I don't ever expect to get food on me. But it happens like every time. You don't know the risk I took wearing white shirt today, y'all. You don't know the risk involved in that. Well, I knew she was watching very like intently like this, every bite that I would take. And, and here's why. Because I was wearing white joggers. I was wearing my favorite pair of white joggers, and, uh, and we were eating blueberries. Now, I didn't know this because I'm a man. I didn't know blueberry stains are really hard to get out. See, all the women are like, oh, yeah. All the men are like, really? All the women are like, oh, Lord, I know. I've tried. Preach, preacher. <laughs> Those blueberry stains. Well, I didn't know. And so now I realize why she was watching And y'all, y'all, I got down to the last bite. Isn't it always the last bite? It's always the last bite. I don't know why I don't just dress all the time in tie-dye and camo. You know, I mean, honestly, wouldn't that be a better choice for me at this point? And sure enough, that last bite, oh, and the blueberries on my white joggers. And immediately she's like, oh, no, that's what I was worried about. I'm like, no wonder you're staring at me, <laughs> staring at me like you've never seen a man eat crackers and, blue- and goat cheese before. Like, what in the world? Like, why are you staring? She's like, that's what, she said, blueberry stains are like the hardest to get out. I'm like, but I like my joggers. She's like, give them here. We got, we got to go to work on these joggers. Here comes the shout wipes. <laughs> and I thought about all the stains that I've had. And all my clothing over the years. And I thought about the different things that I've done. And maybe you've tried some of these. Like, like when, we, when we get something on us, isn't it true? Like the first thing we try to do is we try to get it out, right? And that makes sense. But, but how many know before I had Jen, I didn't have shout wipes? And so, and so now I always have shout wipes on standby. Anytime she's around, praise the Lord. Shout wipes, step! You know? <laughs> Right, but I thought about, and I've made this mistake. I don't know if you ever made this mistake, but you got something like on you, and it's like a dark color, and you make the mistake of getting a, a paper towel. Because it made sense to me in the moment. And now instead of a, like just a little spot, now I got a big crusty white circle. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, ain't nothing wrong with me. 
<laughs> Mama didn't raise no fool. Um, how y'all doing? I thought about how we, we try, we work so hard, and you just, in the men's room, trying to get the stain. Please come out, please come out, please come out. You know what I'm saying? But we, we try to get the stain out ourselves. And, and then I thought, you know, another thing we try to do, have y'all ever done this, try to cover it up? Like, oh, I think I'll just cover up my cover my stain or I'll put a, a, a sweatshirt on or wrap something around you know and I thought we try to cover up but there was this one time y'all it was the worst it was the worst I was eating lunch with a pastor and we were having chicken because that's what pastors eat that's how I knew I was called to preach I craved chicken fried chicken um that's what pastors eat and we were at the restaurant where you get a salad in a bowl and then they bring your dressing on the side, but there's not enough room in the bowl to 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 stir. Y'all, have have y'all ever met this challenge too? Like, what am I supposed to do with this? Because I can't eat salad unless it's got the dressing. I mean, the dressing is how I eat the salad. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not eating raw vegetables. I'm not a rabbit. <laughs> Are you with me? I'm a Mary Poppins kind of spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. Give me some good dressing. And that's how I'm going to get this lettuce down. You understand what I'm saying? And, and so I asked the, 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 the waiter, I said, hey, could you bring me a, a lid to put on the bowl so I can shake it up and mix up because I'm an equal opportunity dressing person. I want dressing on all the salad. And they said yes. And so, but there's so much salad in the bowl that when we put the lid on it, there was hardly any room for it to wiggle. And my thought was, this is not working. I'm not getting the dressing all over the salad. So I'm one of those go big or go home. My thought was, I need to shake it harder. (laughs) Now, this might be a great point to point out. What color do you think the sweater I was wearing was? Of course it was white because I'm a moron. (laughs) Why don't I wear camo and tie-dye everywhere I go? You know, this is my best anyways. And boy, I started shaking. I'm going to mix and toss the salad, and sure enough, now first of all, I was glad that when the lid came off, it was coming this way instead of going that way, because that pastor friend may not be a friend anymore had I baptized him in balsamic vinaigrette and salad. Are you with me? But now here I am, and guys, there is no getting this out. There is not enough shout wipes for what I just did to this sweater and and, and my pants, right? And there's certainly no covering this up. So what I do, it's another thing I think sometimes we do with our stains. I just decided to own it. I just looked and said, well, pastor, you just need to know this is who I am. <laughs> Love me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is who I am. And, and I thought about, I think I'm seeing this more and more in our culture today. More and more in our culture. Maybe we tried to get the stain out and we can't. Maybe we didn't even know we needed to get the stain or didn't know we were stained. Maybe we've tried to cover it up and we can't. And now I'm seeing more and more of our culture is people now owning their stains to the fact or to the point that now they're just identified by their stains and they're okay. I don't know I can be washed. I don't know I can be cleansed. Or maybe I don't want to be washed. Or maybe I don't want to be cleansed. I'll just become my stain. In fact, I'm so proud of my stain. I'll hold a rally and a parade for it. I've so much become it that I want to try to convince everybody to celebrate it. And what we have to understand is that was never the plan of God for our life that we would try to get our own stains out. It was never the plan of God for our life that that we'd try to have to cover up our stains like Adam and Eve when they made fruit of the looms out of fig leaves in the garden. 
It was never God's stain that we, God's plan that we become our stain. It was always God's plan that there be a lamb to wash away every stain. I thought about it in our culture too. Like, do you know you need a lamb? Do we know we have sin? Do we know that we need, need to be washed away? I, I thought about, you know, people outside the church or outside and people who aren't believers. Maybe they don't know that. And then inside, because you know what I think one of the greatest lies of the enemy is today, and probably it's always been this way. I think you'd go all the way back to the garden. I think one of the greatest lies of the enemy today is that sin doesn't stain. I think, let me say it another way. Sin doesn't affect you. And I think the lie is outside and inside the church. Because I think outside the church, Satan's like, man, you do you. You do you, boo. There's no consequence. There's no judgment. Nobody's judging you. You live your truth. You just live your truth. And you do you. And you live your life. And everybody else can just celebrate it or not. Everybody else can just be happy. But, man, there's nothing to it. You just live your life. You do you. You choose whatever makes you happy. Choose what you feel. There's no consequence. There's, there's, there's no effect of sin. And, and then you know what I think inside the church? That's what Satan says. God is so good and so gracious. You just, you, you just do you. You just live your life. There's not really, I mean, Jesus paid for all the sin, so you can just sin as much as you want. Right? Like, you're, like so many people in here, you're shaking your head like, surely not. And yet we watch it. We watch it. And Satan is telling us there's not a consequence for sin. And what you need to understand, I don't have time to teach this, but it's theologically, it's, it's, it's the truth. And that is, Jesus paid for the penalty of sin, but he didn't pay for the consequence of sin because he couldn't. In other words, if you have an affair, you may, you, you can go to heaven and be forgiven. That's absolutely true. But you may lose your family in the process. So, so judgment has been paid for, but consequence still happens. And I think one of the greatest lies of the enemy is that, that sin doesn't affect us. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus actually tells us, and it's in one of these famous verses that we hear a lot, but Jesus actually tells us that sin affects us. In fact, it's Matthew 11, verse 28. It says, Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Here's what he says. Here's what he says. Sin affects you. It's too heavy for you to bear. It weighs too much. That's what he said. he said. He said, come to me and find rest two times. Come to me and find rest and rest for your souls. Here's what he's saying. You were not created for sin and you were not designed to carry sin. It is too big a weight. It is too big a burden. It affects you too much. It kills. It destroys, right? And you weren't designed for that. You were designed for something else. I was thinking about the, the, the effects how sin affects us. And of course, I turn to the word of God and I don't have time to preach these, but, but I ran through these. These are all in scripture because I think it's one thing to have a good sermon or a good idea. I want to make sure it's, it's, if I have a good idea, it's actually a truth. The only way to do that is go back to the word of God. But I thought about, well, I know sin affects us spiritually because we die. Ezekiel says the soul that sins dies. The wages of sin is death. Sin produces death. Listen, even if you know God, if you continue in sin, something's going to die. Right? 
But then I thought, sin also takes us into bondage. This is why the enemy loves sin so much. This is why he'll tell you whether you're inside the church or outside the church. He'll tell you, you know what? No, no, there's no, no, no effect of sin, no consequence of sin, sin all you want. But Jesus said, everyone who continues in sin becomes a slave of sin. And I know in my life, I could share this testimony, and many of you, too, you, you could too. There was that time, there was that thing, there was that click, there was that text, there was that moment where you made the wrong decision, and what seemed like one click or one text or one moment turned into a big problem that you couldn't get away from, that you couldn't get free from, that you couldn't get rid of. Why? Because those that continue in sin, Jesus said, you end up a slave to sin. How does sin affect you? It takes you into bondage. It makes you someone you're not. It binds you to something you were never intended to be bound to or with or by. I don't know if you know this, but Psalm 38, I think I'm thinking about what David says. David says that sin affected his body physically. David talks about it. He says, there's no health in my body, no soundness in my bones. That's Psalm 38. He was saying just the weight of sin is actually having a physical effect on my body. Now, I'm not saying if someone is sick today or dealing with something in their body that God made them sick or that they're sinning. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that sin affects us physically. It can affect us physically. We continue. It has a physical ramification too. And then also, it can affect our souls. It can affect us emotionally. In fact, Solomon said, my soul despairs because I have rebelled against you. Think about that. My soul despairs. I'm not again saying again that, that everyone that's dealing with depression or anxiety or something emotionally is anyway in sin. But I am saying that sin can affect us emotionally. Sin can cause our soul to despair. And I thought about we live in a culture where especially, and I hate to say this, but outside or inside the church, especially outside the church, people who don't, don't profess Christ, I'm seeing more and more where I can't even remember the latest statistic of how many out of 10 were diagnosed with some type of emotional struggle, difficulty, or mental health issue. And I thought, you know, maybe someone needs to tell them you need a lamb. You weren't designed to live with those stains. And you weren't designed to carry that weight. And that's why God sent a lamb. He sent a lamb that said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest because you were never intended to make it through this life on your own. You need a lamb. We're all stained and we need a lamb. Let me tell you a few things about our lamb really quickly. Number one, write this down if you want to. But number one, our lamb was provided. This is a big difference between really the verse that we read in the Old Testament, or we would say Old Covenant, and what Jesus has done for us in the New Testament. We know Jesus is the Lamb, right? John said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So we know Jesus is the Lamb. But number one, Jesus was provided. Our Lamb was provided. Genesis chapter 22 uh, is the story of Abraham taking Isaac up Mount Moriah to sacrifice him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were barren. They asked God, uh, or God spoke to them, said, I'm going to create a great or bring a great nation through you. They were already barren. For 25 years, they had to wait on the promise of God, believing God for it. They made some mistakes along the way, but eventually Isaac is born. Isaac is now probably close to 20 years old, and God comes to Abraham and says, hey, I want you to take your, your son Isaac on to the place I'm going to show you. And I want you to, to, to slay him on an altar. <clears throat> What's crazy is Abraham said, okay, 
I mean, early the next morning, they headed out for the place that God was going to show them. Three days into the journey, God shows them Mount Moriah. Abraham and Isaac are ascending Mount Moriah. And Isaac, this is how we know many times in Sunday school, they made it to me sound like Isaac was a baby. But we know he wasn't a baby because he says to his dad, to Abraham, Hey, dad, I see the fire. I see the wood. Where's the offering? Where's the lamb? So he understood wood, fire, offerings, and, and right, and he could talk, everybody, right? And so he wasn't a kid. He, he was probably 20 years old. But Abraham says something that's incredible. Abraham says, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb. God will provide for himself a burnt offering. Now, what's crazy is, that day, God didn't provide a lamb. If you know your Bible, you know God provided a ram. Just as Abraham was about to slay Isaac, God said, wait. Abraham looked up. There was a ram so mature, its, its horns were caught in, in the thicket. And Abraham knew that was God's provision for the day. And so he went and he got the, lamb, the, the ram and he sacrificed the ram with Isaac. And so but, but the principle, he said, he said this, that God will provide for himself a lamb. It wasn't that day that God provided the lamb. It was actually 1,900 years later on that same mountain, that mountain where a father and a son, Abraham and Isaac, had ascended, where the father was going to slay the son, but God stopped him. 1,900 years later, a father and a son went up the same mountain, everybody, this time it was God the Father and Jesus. And this time the Father didn't stop. And he was wounded for our transgressions. And he was bruised. And he was pierced. And God provided the lamb. The greatest thing God could ever provide for any of us. It's not a new car. It's not a new house. Not a better job. The greatest thing God could ever provide for you, he has already provided for you. And that God provided a lamb. By the way, this is what makes serving or following Jesus different from the religions of the world. Because every religion of the world says you've got to provide your own lamb. They, they don't say it that way. They say it like you've got to work. You've got to achieve. If you're in Islam, you, you, have, to, you have to achieve and you have to buy your works Right? If, 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 you're, if you're a Buddhist, then you've got to achieve some level of understanding. Or um, If you're in Judaism or if you're in Hinduism, it doesn't matter. It's still based on works. All of those say, provide your own lamb. Provide by your own works. you got to get there yourself. You know what? What God says, no, I will provide the lamb. That's why whoever will, anyone who wants to. Can come. Why? Because God has provided a lamb for everyone. Do you know why this is good news too? You know why this is good news? Because when I understand that God provided the lamb, I'll never have to doubt whether that lamb was good enough for my redemption. Like if, if I've got, think about this, there are many religions where you work as hard as you can and you find out in the end whether, whether your lamb was good enough. Are you with me? But not, not when it comes to God. Not when it comes to Jesus. I know, I know his lamb was good enough. It was provided and now I have confidence. The lamb was provided. Here's the second thing. 
The lamb was perfect. The lamb was perfect. 1 Peter 1.18 says this, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. Isn't that, I don't know if you, I would love to preach that verse, just the fact that God redeems us from an empty life. Like God saves us from a life of insignificance into a life of significance. Without purpose into purpose, without a plan. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Like, like God say, like we don't have to live an empty life. Every life matters because of Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? He saved us from that. But he said, I didn't save you with, with perishable things, silver or gold. But you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. A lamb, look at these two words, without blemish or defect. A lamb without blemish, without a spot. Come on, spotless, everybody. A lamb that was spotless. That word without blemish is two words in, in our Bible. In the original language, it's one word. Uh, that would be Greek. And what it means is 100% pure. Without any blemish whatsoever. No defect. No flaw. Not one spot. 100% pure. We see the same language in Exodus chapter 12, verse 5, where God institutes the Passover. And he says, bring a lamb without blemish. Without spot. Why, why did it have to be a perfect lamb? Why did it have to be a lamb without blemish and without spot? Why, why was that important? Well, number one, this is a principle from scripture. Number one is because God is preeminent, he can only accept the best. God can't take leftovers, everybody. We see that all the way back in Genesis, there were two sons, Cain and Abel, the sons of Adam and Eve. The Bible says that, that Abel brought an offering and Cain brought an offering and God accepted Abel's offering and God rejected Cain's offering. And the question is, why did God accept Abel's offering and reject Cain's offering? Well, it was because the Bible clearly says Abel brought the first fruits, meaning he brought the choice or the best the Bible says Cain brought an offering in the process of time. Cain brought what was left. Abel brought the best. And God, because he's preeminent, because he is above all, because he is beyond all, because he is worthy of all, can only accept the best. But why did it need to be spotless? Well, it needed to be spotless because it was going to be examined. And it was going to be examined by the priest when they brought the lamb. Now, I want you to think about this because this is a great truth that if you get, I think it sets you free, friend. Because, see, when, when the, the leader of the home, the dad, the father, was bringing his lamb for Passover to the priest who was going to slay the lamb, you know what he wasn't thinking about? He wasn't walking saying, oh, man, I hope, ooh, I hope the priest doesn't ask me about my synagogue attendance lately. I hope the priest doesn't ask me about how I voted. I hope the priest doesn't ask me about this tattoo. I know how he feels about tattoos. I've read Leviticus. I hope the priest is not asking me for my browser history today. I hope he doesn't want to talk to me about what I said to a coworker or to a child or, or to my wife. Or I, I hope he doesn't want to talk about that. You know, and, oh, I hope he doesn't talk to me about my prayer time. Do you know why he wasn't thinking any of those things? Because he knew when he got to the priest, 
the man wasn't going to be examined. The lamb was going to be examined. He wasn't worried about the priest examining his life. As long as that lamb was without blemish, that was all that was going to matter. Are you with me? And you need to understand today that, 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 that back then, the man wasn't examined, the lamb wasn't. Can I tell you, it's even more so today. Are you with me? It's even more so today. Did you know that your lamb was examined? Did you know that he was examined by the world? Two times, Pilate, after interrogating Jesus at, at, at a couple of his six different trials that he went through on his way to the cross, Pilate spoke to the Jews and he says, listen, I can't find anything wrong. I have examined him and he is spotless. Two different times. When Jesus was baptized, God, the one who would receive the lamb, not only the one who would provide it, but the one who would receive it, God said this. He said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Let me say it another way. I've examined him and he is spotless. Oh, you need to understand that today. You need to understand this when you come to God. He's not going to examine you. Stained or not, it's not going to matter because whether you're stained or not, the lamb was without fault and without blemish and without spot and he has received, he has provided and he has received the perfect lamb and today he's not examining you because he's already examined Jesus. He's already examined your lamb. The lamb was perfect. Here's the third thing. Our lamb was punished. Our lamb was punished. I think sometimes if we're not careful, we'll think because we use the word forgiven, we'll think God kind of let us off, right? Like because Jesus is so good, God let us off. He, he forgave us. In other words, let me say another way. God, chose, God is choosing not to punish me now. God is not going to make me, me pay now. But I think you need to understand that all sin has to be punished. The wages of sin is what? Death. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or forgiveness or redemption. There's no forgiveness of sin. All sin has to be punished. A, a pastor friend of mine was telling a story, and uh, the story that he told was uh, about he had gotten a speeding ticket. I don't know if y'all have ever gotten a speeding ticket. I, of course, never have. <laughs> when I was a teenager, I had a red Camaro, y'all. And I was a regular at defensive driving. I had a saved seat there. Praise the Lord. Anyways, he had gotten a speeding ticket. And uh, he had gotten a ticket, and, and a few days after that was at an event where the judge was. And the judge was a friend of his, and he knew the judge. And so he ran into him and said, hey, man, why, why are you here? Listen, last week I got a ticket, and I want to know if you could just take care of that for me. And his friend said, sure, I'll take care of it for you, no problem. Well, about a month or so later, he ran into him again. He said, hey, I just want to thank you for, for, for taking care of that ticket. I really appreciate you letting me off. And he said, oh, I, I didn't let you off. He said, well, you got me out of the ticket. He said, no, I didn't get you out of the ticket. He said, well, you said you took care of it. He said, I did. He said, well, well if you didn't let me off, what did you do? He said, I paid it. He said, you, I didn't want you to pay it. I, I just wanted you to let me go. You know, and the judge looked at him. He said, can I ask you a question? He said, sure. He said, were you speeding? He said, yes. 
He said, well, speeding is breaking the law, and the penalty in this case is $200. And if I'm a just judge, I can't just let you off. Because breaking the law carries a penalty, and the penalty has to be paid. And so you asked me to take care of it, and as a just judge, I couldn't just let you off because you broke the law. So I paid it, and your penalty has been paid. I need you to understand today, God didn't let you off because he is a just judge. And so today, you need to understand that Jesus paid. He was punished for your sin and my sin. Isaiah 53, for he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. You need to understand, and here's why you need to understand that. Because you need to understand today that the good and gracious and loving Father who provided this perfect lamb is not out to get you. He doesn't want to punish you. In fact, he's, if you come to him, he's not going to punish you because he's already punished Jesus. And it would now be unjust for him to punish you for what he's already punished. Are you with me? Are you with me? He'll never punish you for sin. Let me say it this way. God is not out to get you because he already got Jesus for you. Are you with me? Your lamb was provided. Your lamb was perfect. Your lamb was punished. Number four, your lamb prevailed. Your lamb prevailed. Hebrews 10, 11, it says, And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, so this is a contrast between the old covenant and the new covenant, between the old covenant priest and our high priest who is Jesus. He said, in the old covenant, the priests stand ministering, offering repeatedly the same sacrifice. Remember, the, remember where we started, Exodus 29, where it said daily, continually, they offered these two lambs every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. That's what he's talking about here. Verse 12, he said, but Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down. At the right hand of God. Do you see the imagery? The old covenant priests is what I said. They stood. Jesus sat down. Now, he's our high priest. Why is it our high priest could sit down and their high priest had to stand? Because the sacrifices they offered could never take away sin. They just covered it. But our high priest, Hebrews said, having offered one sacrifice for all sin forever sat down. Why? Because it was finished. All sin. Do you hear this? All sin had been paid for. Why is that significant? Well, a lot of reasons. But if all sin is paid for, all stains can be washed. If he paid for all sin, he can wash away all stains. And he paid for all. In fact, he paid for all sin, past sin, present sin. And this may make some people nervous. He paid for all the future sin. Meaning if I sin tomorrow, Jesus is not going back to the cross. Because it was one sacrifice for all sin forever. He's paid for every sin. Whether people have received that or whether they haven't, he's paid for all sin. 
He has triumphed over death, hell, and the grave. Our spotless lamb. Ephesians chapter 5. Most people kind of know this as more of a relationship verse, a wedding verse, a marriage verse, whatever the case may be. But I want you to see Jesus in it because it's about Jesus. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for us. That he might sanctify and cleanse us with the washing of water by the word. That he might present us to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that we should be holy. And look at that phrase, without blemish. See, when I told you the message and I said spotless, and as we started reading the text, you probably thought, oh, that's a good title. That, that's about Jesus. Jesus is our spotless lamb. And that's true. We've talked about it. He's perfect. Without spot, without blemish. But do you know what Paul tells us in Ephesians 5? That when we come to Jesus, our spotless lamb makes us spotless. He washes away every sin and every stain. And that when we come to him, no matter, no matter what we've been stained with, no matter what we've gotten on us in life, no matter the bad decisions we've made, like eating blueberries with white pants. The relationship train wrecks, the substance abuse, the anger that's out of control. Whether we're stained by something we did or whether we're stained by something someone else did. I want you to understand that today you can be spotless. Today, though your sin may be a scarlet, though you may be stained, he will wash you white as snow. And I want you to know if you've been a believer for 50 years, but maybe lately you've made some mistakes and you're like, I feel like I've gotten stained again. I want you to know if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. You can be spotless. So my white pants, my joggers, Jana got a hold of them. She shouted it out, everybody. She's not really Pentecostal. She's more Baptist, but she, she shouted it out. And you know what's amazing? If, if I showed them to you today, had I wore my white joggers, which I probably wouldn't do on Easter, you wouldn't be able to see where the stain is. You'd never know about the blueberries. Why? Because they've been washed. They've been cleansed. And they are spotless. And I want you to know today, when you stand before God, He's not going to examine you. He's already examined your lamb. But He is going to wash you. He is going to clean. And when you meet people, they're never going to be able to tell where the stains are. You know where they're at. You know where they were. Let me say this too on my white joggers. What a great thing to preach on Easter. Jogging pants. If I showed them to you, you wouldn't be able to find the stain. You'd say, I didn't even know they were stained. But if I showed them to you, I could point to where the stain was because I still remember it. 
But I want to tell you this today. You need to understand there's a difference between remembering where the stain was and still being stained. And I don't know about you, but when we get stains, I'm so embarrassed, I'm kind of ashamed. And sometimes when we've dealt with stains in our life, we deal with shame and we deal with guilt and we deal with condemnation. And then we come to Jesus and he washes us, but we still remember where the stains were. And if we're not careful, we'll still feel that shame. We'll still feel that guilt. But I want you to understand something today. There's a difference between remembering where the stain is and still being stained. And if you'll let God, not only will he wash away every stain, but now he'll make the past stains that were washed away that you still remember. Instead of that being about your shame, that will be about his glory. Instead of that just being part of your story, that will be your testimony. Come on, somebody. Somebody, I can testify to the goodness of shout wipes because I got clean pants. And you can testify to the goodness of the, of the grace and the blood of Jesus because you have a clean life. And now the stains that you remember are not there for your shame. They are there for your testimony and they are there for God's glory. He washes away every stain. And today, if you're not, you can be spotless. Will you stand with me today? And I'm going to ask you again to go back to the card that we put down. And go to that section where it says A, B, C, and D. And I'm going to ask that everybody participate. If you don't mind, it'll help us help you. But I want you to participate. And I'm going to start with C. And, and how would I know if I needed to check? We're all going to check one of these boxes. How do I know which box to check? Well, C. What is C? C is today, Pastor, I need, I've got some stains and I need to be washed. I want to be spotless today. I want to be forgiven. Maybe I grew up in church. Maybe I know the story of Easter, but I've never really had the, the experience of Easter. I never had that moment of bowing my knee and saying, Jesus, forgive me and wash me and cleanse me of all my sin and all my stains. And today, I want to be washed. I want to leave here spotless. If that's you, I want you to check C. Or maybe it's B. And, and B is just simply this, like, you know, Pastor, if I'm being honest today before you and before God, my relationship with God is not what it used to be. And just be honest, you know, it's not what it used to be. It's just, it just isn't. But I want it to be. But I want you to check that B and say, God, I want you just to revive my own heart, my own spirit. God, refresh me again. Lord, I want to serve you with all my heart, with all my life, whatever it is. I'm making, I'm refreshing or renewing my commitment to Jesus today. Uh, that's a B. Or maybe you're an A and you're just like, Pastor, I'm on fire for God. Oh my Lord, touch me and you'll burn up. I am so on fire for God and that's wonderful. And I want to celebrate that and I want you to check that. And then maybe it's D and I love the D's. We always have people that check this box and it always means so much to me because I love honesty. But D is just simply, Lord, you know, Pastor, I'm just not ready to follow Jesus today. I'm not ready to surrender for whatever reason. I'm just not ready. If that's you, I just, again, everybody participates. Online, they're giving you a, a link where you can participate. But everybody participates. You just check whichever one that is. And then I want us to pray together. So will you bow your heads? God, I just thank you for today, for all that Jesus has done for all that Jesus has done. Our perfect, spotless lamb who washes away every stain.
God, thank you. Will you take just a moment and just maybe ask God what he's saying to you today? Just where you're at, say, Jesus, what are you saying to me today? What are you speaking to me through this message or through the service today, through the experience that we're having? God, what what are you speaking? God, I pray you'd speak to every person. Speak to every person. And now with every head bowed, we're just all going to pray together. What I know is there are people in the room, I'm almost convinced, that probably check that sea or, or maybe should have. And, and, and there are people saying, I want to be washed. I want to be forgiven. There are people watching online that I want to be washed. I want to be forgiven. I want to have this moment where the blood of the Lamb cleanses away all my faults, all my flaws, all my spots, all my stains. And so we're just all going to pray together. So with our heads bowed, I want you just to repeat after me. Everyone in the room, repeat after me. Watching online, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you're the spotless Lamb. I believe you died and rose again. And your blood washes away every stain. I ask you to forgive me, to wash me, to cleanse me, and to make me new. I choose to follow you. You are my Lord and my Savior. Help me to live the rest of my life for you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, can we give, give Jesus praise today? He is so good. Hey, Pastor Marty here from Pathway Church. And I just want to say thank you for joining us. And I want to encourage you to get connected and stay connected. And there's several ways you can do that. Number one, you can download the Pathway app and we are all the time offering resources and information on that app for you. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you do, make sure you click the bell so that you never miss any life-giving and life-changing content as we add it to the channel. And then also, uh, make sure you follow us on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook. Look, our hope and heart for you is that you walk in the purpose for which God made and created and redeemed you for. We love to connect people to purpose. We thank you for giving us this opportunity. And if you're ever in Longview or you are in Longview, I'd love to invite you to join us in person each weekend. Listen, I pray God's best for your life. I believe if you follow Jesus, your best is ahead.